This episode of Talking to Trailblazers is brought to you by Salesforce. In this digital work-from-anywhere world, Salesforce enables small businesses to create a 360-degree view of their customers, helping them build great customer relationships and supporting their path to growth. Salesforce brings companies and customers together. To learn more, head to salesforce.com forward slash au forward slash small business. G'day guys and welcome to Talking to Trailblazers with Jack Corbett in association with Business News Australia. Today I've got a really exciting co-founder and co-CEO of one of Australia's fastest growing beverage brands, Nextbar. Let's give a warm welcome to Mr. Troy Douglas. How are you, Troy? Fantastic, Jack. Excited to be here. Good, good, mate. Well, I think, first of all, thank you for taking a moment out of your day, because by the sounds of how Next Bar's going at the moment, you are very much full steam ahead, my friend. Uh, yeah, absolutely. and totally happy to be here. I think that I can't complain. I'm now at my, my Bondi COVID office yes. um, and can see the beach in this weather, so I'm, I'm always happy to have a chat. Nice. Worst places in the world to be, mate. Are you a born and raised Sydney boy? Yeah, both Drew and myself, uh, Drew's obviously my business partner and co-founder, both grew up in, in Sydney. Uh, we actually lived and worked in the same office in Manly for, for many years. But um, yeah, the offices, the main office is still in Sydney. Amazing, mate. And when you talk about your business partner, Drew, I believe you guys are actually relatives as well. Yeah, he's my brother-in-law. So um, it's, we're obviously very much a, a family business, which is uh, makes for a a good experience and um, many learnings for sure. Yeah, amazing, but Well, I, I looked through your story and to be honest, I was really excited to get this chat and get to know you as a person because um, by the looks of things, you kind of started with the traditional old school hustle style, you know, door to door, cafe to cafe, business to business, um, you know, pounding the pavement and knocking the doors to try and get yourself stocked in certain, you know, um, venues and retailers. And obviously many people will look now and go, oh, they're in Coles and Woolworths and 7-Eleven and Caltex and Sainsbury's and WH Smith in the UK. Geez, these guys are an overnight success. Um, that must be one of the sentences that most offends you. <laughs> um, overnight and I'm reflecting on the 10 years or nearly 10 years of the journey. But no, for those that don't know, uh, Nexper were Australia's leading naturally sugar-free brands, but as you say, it didn't um, happen overnight. It actually took us six years to crack our naturally sugar-free proposition and the IP. And I think from us, what we knew from the beginning is that there was a massive, massive opportunity for great tasting, no sugar and nothing artificial products. And I guess the reason we're super passionate about it is both Drew and myself, I uh, had experiences and myself, um, I was actually very fortunate to go to r rural communities and kind of see the impact that uh, I guess many leading multinational brands that are either packed with sugar or packed with artificials are uh, mm. having on people's health. Uh, and from that moment, I guess, and Drew, uh, the, the, the story was he was actually in a place called Rio Nexpa and was inspired by um, the many better for your options that existed. So we, we began our journey, as you say, um, we bought a, 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 actually set up our own manufacturing canning line, had a little van and yeah, we're selling direct into cafes and it took us many years to crack um, the scale that we are now. Yeah, amazing. And it's beautiful to hear you guys attacking a real world problem, you know, because um, 
let, let, let's get any politics, let's get any opinions out of the way. Let's talk numbers, factual numbers. Since COVID-19 entered this country on February the 11th of 2020, I think the first identified case, there have been 854 people that have died. During that period, nearly four and a half times that amount of people have died of type one, uh, sorry, type two diabetes. That has been a, a, you know, something that they have acquired as a sickness by the health and lifestyle choices, the nutritional choices that they have made throughout their life. So what do you think is a bigger national problem to us at the moment, COVID-19 or obesity, diabetes, and the ongoing problems that that can create? <laughs> I think, um, I, I think that's a very big question, Jack, and I appreciate you checking out there. I guess clearly um, without crashing COVID's having a dramatic impact on the economy and people's health. Um, but from our perspective and next to being the brand that we are, we obviously see a global uh, solution for what everyday consumers, including ourselves, consume, which is... Um, products that are readily available that are packed with sugar and artificial ingredients. And what we see as a solution as being is how can we encourage more brands like Nexpa uh, to create great tasting, no sugar, nothing artificial products. And the impact that we believe that that will have long term is obviously a direct uh, reduction in things like diabetes and obesity, which actually, as you kind of state and share, do have incredibly harmful impacts on people's health and lives. So obviously that's something that, that we're, we're proud to be focused on and that's part of the whole reason, I guess, we've been able to build the community behind the brand. In fact, Peter Barron, who we term the godfather of Nextbar from the very first days that he, he met Drew and myself as two young guys, uh, having not been in business before, he really instilled in us that success is the byproduct of doing business right. Uh, and I guess that's something that we are passionate and we believe in and um, we're really proud of the team that we have today that are, are on this mission with us. Oh, it's awesome. I think it's, it's a people first, right? Like so many businesses that I go into, obviously many people will know me prior to um, managing to successfully exit my business in April of this year. Um, for the five and a half years prior to that, I would travel the world, travel the country, um, teaching businesses how to sell. And ultimately, the reason I was being paid the big bucks and brought in as the consultant was to improve performance. But quite regularly, I would show people that actually performance was the byproduct of their people and the processes they'd put in place for those people to follow. That, that's customers and, inter and, and staff, you know? So it's nice to hear a business that's, no, let's focus on the people first. Let's create a community, a tribe, something that's bigger than just a can of beverage. Um, then let's put the, the people into a process that they can follow, both in how we deliver our service and how we ask our consumers to engage our brand. And then lastly, measure the performance of that thereafter. So, yeah, it's amazing to hear people saying that because, do you know, when I first heard about your um, business, Troy, I thought it was a, one of these, what I call a fugazi, right? Like it was like, a, look over here. We are sugar free. Well, I grew up in the era of the microwave meal, the Weight Watchers fat-free meal. Yeah. 0% fat in a meal. Ignore the 160 grams of sugar in your 400 gram you know, meal, but zero fat in it. So therefore, it must have been good for me, right? Yeah. Um, but correct me if I'm wrong, you're doing exactly what you're saying on the tin. There is nothing 
at all artificial. It is naturally sugar-free and it is a completely raw and organic product. Yeah, I think what um, you're articulating is both our opportunity and challenge as a brand to continue to scale. Like there is what we saw in the market, particularly in beverages, which is where Nexper predominantly plays at the moment, is that within categories, there's been a lot of product launches that claim to be sugar-free or there's zero sugar uh, or their diet. And the, I guess the miss um, communication behind those messages is that there typically is a significant negative trade-off, which is that when products that were launched with stevia and as an example, which is a great natural ingredient, uh, they couldn't replicate the taste that well. So then multinational started to put artificial sweeteners inside those products and what concerns us as a brand and is that if you think of aspartame as an ingredient, um, artificial ingredient, just in the UK alone, there's over 2 billion uh, diet drinks sold that contain that ingredient. And that aspartame is now being directly linked to uh, human trials that prove that there's a link with cancer. Uh, so <laughs> there's clearly a, a need uh, for products to evolve to be what we're terming naturally sugar-free and that'll involve a lot of people now needing to trust um, naturally sugar-free because sugar-free in isolation is no longer trusted um, similar to what you're describing in terms of uh, fat-free the trade-off was packed with sugar mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah completely understand mate well if i let me flip some questions around a different way then let's talk about your business and the evolution past being two hardworking boys trying to flog iced tea out the back of their car um, to becoming a globally recognized um, product that is stocked by all the majors here in our country. So two parts to my question. Number one is noticing your financial position. You've been achieving, give or take, 100% year-on-year growth for nearly 10 years now. Um, part of... The minimalist in some people would say that's not sustainable. Um, so talk to me about how you've achieved that and how we intend to sustain that. And I would say part of achieving it is about getting stocked in the Coles and the Woolies and the 7-Elevens. So just share with me a little bit about how that comes to fruition and how somebody else who's maybe out there with an amazing protein ball they want to start stocking, how do they actually get in touch with, um, with these corporate organizations to have the opportunity to be stocked? Yeah, I think the, the first part, both through myself as co-founders and co-CEOs, we've evolved a lot in how uh, I think life is about lifelong learning and trying to become the best leader and impactor that you can. Uh, so for us, we, if you just look at the how big is the opportunity of where next we plays, which is food and beverage, um, we could continue to uh, double, if not triple or quadruple year on year um, for the next 20 years and still not be um, necessarily the largest brand that exists. So the size of price is incredibly large and our reason to play and our, the why we exist in trying to be that solution um, for the sugar and artificial ingredients is something that's only going to get bigger and larger and particularly in this environment with COVID, um, the preference for health and wellness is only something that's going to accelerate as people really start to look at what goes into the diet. So I think that, and then from a, I guess from people and process. Absolutely. And, how, and I'm flipping that onto yep. 
Yeah, being able to get get into these places. I mean, it's obviously all of our dream, right? If you're if you're in the you know fast moving consumer goods space, you want to work with Coles and Woolies. You know, that's where you want to be, and you've managed that. So, just talk me through a little bit of where all of that began and what it was like sitting down with the heads of a, a huge organization like that. You know, as two young guys trying to trying to make a difference. Yeah, I think the beauty was both Drew and I were backgrounds. My background was law and communications and Drew's backgrounds was engineering. And we were young enough and uh, you could probably say naive in the beginning that uh, we never really thought twice about who we were meeting with and why and what that really meant, except for the fact that we knew that we had a product that had a right to play in categories. So if we take ICT where our journey began, uh, it's nice to see we've actually just launched back into iced tea with our naturally sugar-free watermelon, which is where we um, began our journey. But we looked at a category like iced tea, which is packed with uh, two significant brands like Lipton and Nest Tea from multinationals. They're both in 500ml PET and both with um, the same flavours but packed with sugar. So for us, uh, there's this, um, I guess, the principles behind things like Blue Ocean um, strategy and mapping out how can you actually create a product that has unique differentiation. Um, for us today, that's naturally sugar-free, which is why when we have conversations with retailers, uh, they're very much a collaborative discussion about how can we um, be your partner to innovate and add consumer value back into categories which are either packed with sugar or artificial ingredients. So I think for any product, it's really about understanding what is it that uh, you can be providing to the end consumer that's obviously going to benefit the customer being the retailers um, like Coles and Woolworth. So we're super proud of the, the partnerships that we, we have with those guys. Yeah, is it a myth that to be stocked in Coles and Woolworth means that they will eliminate a huge portion of your margin? <laughs> um, I think that it's just the nature of business that you have to find the ways to add value so that um, you can have the most sustainable and scalable brand and product. I think Coles and Woolworths um, have a significant market share in Australia. So that lends itself to being in a strong position. But ultimately, um, as a challenger brand, you do have a unique opportunity to get value and support from those guys if you if you genuinely are adding value that that no for sure and your your business um is no longer next bar beverages moving forward we next bar as a brand we can expect to see you in the food supplements nutrition space also yeah absolutely so next bar in isolation i guess the benefit us is we are that naturally sugar-free brand and our proprietary blend and the natural ingredient components that we've developed allows us to extend into beyond beverages and into things like snacking. So um, we're very excited about some future launches that uh, will hit Australian supermarket shelves in the, in the coming year. Yeah, that's brilliant, mate. Well, based on all of that, I want to take this conversation now in a completely different direction. 
With the capital raising component, would you agree with me that yes, whilst you may have done the slightly longer road, there are a lot of tech businesses, there's a lot of startup companies that by the second they've got a half decent idea, they go into the cap raise, you know, it's all seed funding. Quite often their valuations are minimal. Um, and you end up letting go of large equity positions for a limited amount of capital that inevitably is exhausted quickly and you're back at the cap raising table again. So do you think that the reason you got the valuation you did is because of the traction, the tires to the tarmac you had already achieved during those years of stomp in the pavement? Yeah, I think that where I feel like the, all of um, the next legends and the people in the business are in a great position because uh, we held on for a long period of time proving out our thesis that every category should have a natural sugar-free alternative. So I think um, it is important and we really held off to make sure that we had defendable, I guess, IP, which in the sense of our proprietary blend before we did because that um, gives a reason to have capital. I think capital itself is not what you want ever because uh, I think there's ways to get access um, to debt if you really truly need it. It might be expensive, but ultimately debt could be a lot cheaper form than necessarily equity um, in the early days in particular. So I think you really are, you've got to treat capital selection as partnership selection for growth. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want, you want, uh, as people say, um, smart money, you definitely want um, the, 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 I guess one plus one dollar to equal greater value. Um, yes. So they, they can offer something beyond just the cash. Yeah. So it's very real that you can take both dumb money and smart money. It can be the same amount of money. Um, but one of them is purely somebody who is giving you cash capital and offers no value to your organization in any way, shape or form. Another could be the actual distributor of your products. You know, it could be somebody who, who is involved in transportation or logistics or manufacturing at some point in your process um, with whom could be a smarter um, alignment and or acquisition as a partner. So may only crazy people try to raise money in the middle of pandemics. Um, <laughs> I hear there's this uh, beverage company out of Sydney that thought it would be a smart idea. Um, mate, to talk to me a little bit about, obviously, Houlihan Loki, Los Angeles-based investment bank. Why were they the right people to work alongside to raise capital? Why was now the right time in general to have more, more capital on account? And I guess, fundamentally, what's the future growth plan with the funds that have been raised? Yeah, great question. I guess the, the, the first answer is we never... Um, this process was being deliberate and in planning for a long period of time. So we wanted, I think the secret from my, from our experience, um, or little experience we may have in capital raising is you want to make sure your business is in the best position and you don't have a need to raise quickly because that could impact your value quite dramatically. So for us, it was just a matter of we'd always plan to go to market in this period. Obviously, then COVID hit. So, and in terms of Hulahan Loki, um, I think when you do a process, it, it, the success of a process is about building the best team around you that you can. And I feel super um, grateful that uh, Hulahan Loki were keen to represent us. Gareth Stone was actually the gentleman that I was introduced to in the, in the UK. Uh, and I spoke to a lot of the businesses that he supported in their capital processes and his particular expertise is food and beverage, which obviously lends itself nicely. I think the, the fact that we've got a global growth um, business plan made it, it made sense for us to have a partner like Fullerham Loki on the, the bank, investment banking side that is global. 
Um, so it gives us reach um, to have conversations with potential partners that can offer what we're describing, which is more than money. Um, we're also in discussions with incredible parties in Australia. So Matthew Teen and the Australian team, clearly there's some great um, partners in Australia that have um, global ambition and reach. So it's been a big process. Yes. Um, obviously, we didn't. I think what's been fortunate for us is the business is performing incredibly well during this period. So um, I'm, I'm enjoying the process. I think when you invite anybody with that type of skill set and background in to um, look at your business strategy, it becomes another um, a way to pressure test um, your business plan and to add value. So it can be quite powerful even in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. And if you were to go as a little one minute fire round, if I said to you first three things that come to your head, you know, a couple of words or one sentence, um, what would be the three biggest mistakes people make in capital raising? Uh, purely choosing value over the right partner. Mm-hmm. Um, doing it at a not, I guess, what I've learned for us in particular is you want to make sure you've got a significant runway with cash um, so you're not in a position to have to move quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there is a trend in, particularly in Australia, in, in Australia where um, because our, our banks aren't necessarily that great to get um, debt off easily um, when you're in a scale-up business that people do sell out too early. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think... For us, we're more energised in our business 10 years in than we've ever been. And we can see that the opportunity for naturally sugar-free globally is only getting bigger. So um, I think as founders and um, owners of businesses, if you're passionate about what you're doing, um, you should just enjoy that process and, and, and ride that way for as long as you can. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So if you um, flip that on its head then and said the, the must, what are the essential components of a good pitch deck or, you know, a, a good cap raise? Having a solid, ideally, if you want to get a successful outcome, you've obviously had a track record of time um, to prove out a concept. Um, so, or you've tapped onto some type of IP or technology that's completely unique. Um, so I think it's important to protect um, whatever IP you might have to add value to your strategy, I, I think then um, having a robust, the power of any type of business relationship is being open to um, finding people that can challenge you and challenge your ideas and your thoughts in the and using it as a way to enhance your proposition. So in terms of an I am and a pitch deck, mm-hmm. um, not being set in stone. So you, you've... For us, as an example, in that what we're seeking and trying to achieve is we have a clear uh, five-year plan that we've got high confidence and execution for, uh, but clearly it's about who you're talking to. Can you flip the process and almost be interviewing how do you guys see that you could add value to our five-year journey that we will get if we just had the cash? Um, so it's really um, if we get the cash, we're going to do this five-year business plan ourselves. So we don't actually just want the cash. We want you to sort of share as a potential partner. How could you guys actually add value and accelerate the growth that we see? And do you completely align with the thesis that we believe in as well? 
Yeah, no, I think that's fantastic, mate. Really good advice there for people. Let's get into your mindset a little bit then, because your company's achieving 100% year-on-year growth. Now, I'm sure you've heard people, mostly minimalist thinkers, people projecting their own fears on you are saying, God, but that's not sustainable. Oh, they won't be able to sustain that. It'll start to create difficulties in process or procedure, um, supply, manufacturing, so on and so forth. Um, not only how have you managed to achieve that 10 years in a row, but how do you create the bulletproof mindset that prevents that negative self-talk and or allows you to you know, be infected by other people's fears? Um, what's the best way for me to... I think for us, we have gone through a process of what we term our scaling up pillars. So it's really four pillars for us, people, strategy, execution, and cash. And by really interrogating those as kind of as a simple framework, uh, I think you can create a environment that supports accelerated growth. I think the, when you're building a brand like Nexper is, if you, play out how do you secure defendability as a brand long-term. For us, it's very much you need product equity and brand equity. Without question, Nexper is the first naturally sugar-free leading brand in that space and our IP is um, second to none. So it's very supportive of us getting growth with customers and customers for us are our partners being our retailers. Cosmoworth have been an incredible... Um, they've both been incredible partners in helping us pioneer and lead the way naturally sugar-free in Australia, the same way that Sainsbury's in the UK is an incredible partner in helping us share our naturally sugar-free innovations um, globally. So for uh, I think the the what you get over time, though, is more insights and understanding of data. I, I, when I began ten, <laughs> this journey with Drew 10 years ago, I'm probably somebody that was all gut-feel-led um, rather than necessarily seeing the value in data, which I can be quite negative in the early days that anybody can spin data to tell whatever story you kind of want. Um, so you just got to believe in the option. But I think right now and today and where we're heading, it, it really does allow us to test and learn. Um, and by being willing to fail fast and learn fast, then you can apply those learnings in a, um, in a system that you're building over time. And that's what ultimately allows for scale and um, accelerated growth. For sure. And obviously, it's all about about reach, right? The more, I know you said if we were just a, a direct-to-consumer model online, we'd probably have a much greater margin. But then you might also have a much more narrow demographic of the market with whom would ever come into contact with your brand as well, you know, organically. So without letting go of all of your secrets, just a little bit of advice on how other companies or individuals may be able to get their foot in the door with the likes of a Coles, Woolworth, Sainsbury, 7-Eleven, Caltech, so on and so forth. Could you share a tiny little bit on how that became possible for you guys? I think just as a mindset or the very early days, I I stumbled across the kind of the blue ocean theory and strategy for looking at opportunities. So I, I, I think the, the best way to win a customer like a Cosmos is to uh, offer something unique to a category with a significant differentiator that you should add incrementality to sales for them. Because if you think about um, a retailer, they, they want to try and 
have a product that adds value to consumers that can drive growth within a category that could become stagnant. Um, so you either got to do that in by offering more margin um, or you've got to do that by offering something that's completely unique that can also potentially um, have value that consumers are wanting to buy for that product as well. So I think it comes down to you need to have something of value for a consumer because um, then the customer can find it quite an easy a reason to believe that by giving you that shelf space, um, you could add value. Because from Nexus perspective, we have uh, relatively spent nothing above the line to drive a, a consumer to know that Nexus exists. But what we have focused on uh, for reason, and that's from our experience, because we began heavily in petrol convenience. Our multinationals could, in fact, we've had so many experiences of launching um, a type of format into a category and then a multinationals launched a similar format, um, albeit not a naturally sugar-free alternative. But um, the key to win there is whilst they could be spending millions in advertising, uh, you've got to stack up to what you believe in. And for us, that's obviously no compromise on taste and obviously the no sugar, nothing artificial. And we, by standing out on shelf and trying to focus on your brand and how you look, um, that's ultimately what will get somebody to pick you up first. And if you don't then back up a consumer having taken a chance and picked up your product with incredible taste, then you're not going to get that repeat purchase. And repeat purchase is the organic advocacy that um, is incredibly hard to buy. Yeah, okay. I completely understand that for sure. And what's um, to go on a, on a, a route then around, let's push next bar to the side. <clears throat> you never get that tap on the shoulder. Uh, Drew never marries your sister. You know, you don't know him. This never comes to light. What, what's Troy doing for a living today, do you reckon? I was, I've, uh, in the, before next bar, um, obviously I kind of dove straight in um, whilst I was finishing uni. So I was very fortunate to always find people. And I think a secret to how I've grown is I'm very, I've always used LinkedIn as a tool to reach out to incredible people to learn from. Um, that includes in marketing, there's Sharon Williams, who's head of Taurus Marketing, who I worked with for years. Uh, then there's David Wilkie, a partner at um, Alan Nobre, and I literally um, read an article about him and then reached out to see if I could have coffee and I shared that uh, I'm studying law. I'm currently working in marketing, communications, final degree. great. I'd love to, um, you sound like you've had an incredible, uh, yeah, I guess, experience in law. Can I work with you? And he was in, he was a great partner to work for, um, Alan Obrey. And I wasn't the HD law student that probably deserved <laughs> to necessarily be at that law firm. But um, he kind of shared that through his experience, not many people had reached out for um, a job. Well, the truth is, is I didn't reach out for a job. I just wanted to pick his brains. Because um, I think that I enjoy brands, I enjoy business, I enjoy growth. Um, I think that law in M&A in law is something that I'm, I, I enjoy the strategy side. So I'd probably be some type of strategy side. But then again, next was all I've done for 10 years straight from uni. So I don't actually know. No, I think, again, there's some, some amazing things. That, often the brilliance for me and the education and the, and the insights that you can really extract from these conversations I'm having with, with the Young Entrepreneur Community Weekly is the fact that they just think differently. You just think differently. You know, I, I look at what you did and I did the exact same, but yet I probably could count 
on one hand, the amount of people that have reached out to me and said, hey, Jack, you seem to know a lot about sales. You seem to be the nationally recognized you know, figure in, in training people and how to be successful in sales. If I bought you a coffee or a breakfast, was there any chance that I, we could meet you for an hour? And you would be alarmed how many people with whom you thought you would never get to have a conversation with will openly reply yes and be more than happy to share their insights with you. Exactly. Except for now, you're probably going to get a flood of people. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll get the team to edit this a little bit out. No, but, but also it's, um, you know, it's, it's also very rewarding, emotionally rewarding for that individual too, right? To be viewed as somebody that somebody looks up to or um, can see value in as well. Because I did it to a gentleman, Peter McNamara at Platinum Finance. When I was doing yeah. my uh, financial planning qualifications, um, I looked in the city I lived in, which was the Gold Coast. And I looked for somebody who had been in the game for 20 plus years and, and had a fantastic reputation. And I said to him, look, you don't you don't have a job going at the moment. That's fine because you don't need to pay me. I'm just going to turn up for the next 12 to 16 weeks. And I just want to passionately obsess over how this works. And um, if you look even back to the likes of say Howard Schultz, you know, if you want to be, make the best coffee in the world, go and work at a coffee shop for a little while and understand what the customer is actually wanting or needing. So with success, always leaving a few clues and, you know, Anthony Robbins preaching that modeling people's successes is the number one way to achieve a similar success. Um, I think it's amazing to hear that you did something like that. And I guess I, I, think, I, want, I, want to I think working within, um, I began my working life at Corey Jeans and then Coffee Club. I think you can learn a lot um, I I know that I've um, drawn on a lot of my early days of working within significant franchises mm-hmm. just in terms of how they operate and how they add value. So I think that's always a good and pouring views for people is kind of the right approach to learning, right? Like I, it's hard sometimes because we have a, you know, we have a self pride, which is often fueled by a, an ego that when I went and did that to Peter, I had nearly a million dollars cash in the bank. I just sold my business. It wasn't that I, you know, I just knew I needed to learn. And there was no better way for me to learn as a kinesthetic visual learner than to get into the arena and go and learn through osmosis, go and learn by presence, you know? So Yeah. yeah, sometimes it doesn't matter if it dents your pride a little bit, you know, yeah, of course I I wanted to feel successful and I had money and I could drive the car I wanted, but I didn't have the skill set to succeed in the game of finance. And I needed to go and uh, learn that and observe that from the people who did. So, um, yeah, Yeah, I've got two, two questions to wrap it up then matey, and I'll let you get back to it. Um, Australian manufacturing, manufacturing our goods and service, uh, you know, our products here in Australia. Um, how important is that in general? How important is that to Nexbar? Um, and also on top of that, as you move into other countries, you know, the UK, Europe, America, would you intend to always produce your products here in Australia and distribute internationally? Or will you begin to do that locally in the countries in which they're then sold? Yeah. Great question. I guess for me, without if we answer first by looking at Australia for Australia, uh, without question, locally made is a really positive way to operate. And if you think about um, what's becoming even more and more important from a social responsibility perspective, is clearly the packaging and um, the sustainability factor of your brand. Uh, so clearly, shipping products. Um, with liquid around the world is not necessarily the best thing for scaling in that respect. So uh, with that said, 
can Australian made add significant value and appetite um, in food and beverage in other markets. Uh, we're getting incredible interests to export and export out, particularly into Asia and markets where there's a high demand and trust in the brand of Australia, which uh, we've, uh, I guess, next was enjoying the benefit of what Australia's built in terms of clean and green and all those elements from a from us and from Nexper from a manufacturing, I kind of, I think it might've been Jeff Bezos who spoke about once the, is something for you a commodity or a competency? Uh, there is a opportunity of many contract backers to partner with. Um, so that's more of a commodity that you can partner with. The competency for Nexper is in our Nexper blend. So a good sweet blend. Uh, and that is something that we will, are absolutely looking at. How can we accelerate and scale our competency, which is our ability to make naturally sugar-free products very quickly, uh, similar to what Coca-Cola might describe in sending their essence to manufacturers globally then produce in that local market. So for us, and if I look at our business having launched into the UK, um, we're really excited in Sainsbury's. We've launched at WH Smith. We're continuing to grow in that region. We will be producing, obviously, our um, beverage products locally because it's just way more feasible and economical to do that. Um, and, and it's the right thing from a sustainability perspective. Um, but as we then venture into different areas or if we look at Nexta has built this traditional business um, in retail, big customers, the ability now for us to um, make available our Nexper blend in a lightweight way online is definitely something that we'll see in the future. So that could be something where we scale. Yeah, that's really, really good, mate. I like it. And I think you're scaling already, right? You've already mentioned that your um, brand is is positioned to be able to pivot into the food space. And um, I guess I'd want to close this conversation on some exciting news. I saw a, a media release um, recently about you guys now moving into the probiotics um, space, you know. So for me, naive sort of a person, my wife does the, the food shopping. Um, I hear probiotics and I think of something like a Yakult in my fridge, right? Something of that nature that I would take as a little shot in the morning. Um, yeah. Talk to me a little bit about how, exactly how uh, the probiotic products you're offering um, work and, and I guess the fundamental health benefits to anyone who's considering getting out there and buying themselves a bottle. Yeah, I think the is another big trend that next bar. Ironically, by us having built this naturally sugar-free proposition, uh, the, we also saw the rise of, I guess, the focus for gut health uh, and the benefit um, of that probiotics can actually provide. So for us, our first step into that space has been kombucha and it's been an incredible growth and success story for our business. We're now the, I guess, the leading ambient kombucha brand. And by ambient, I mean that doesn't need to be in a fridge. It's um, shelf-stable at room temperature, but it has all the, I guess, the efficacy that the Yakult, as you describe in terms of the um, probiotic benefits. So for us, the secret behind Nexpo is we add in these little things called bacillus coagulans, which is, um, for simple terms, it's basically like a seed encapsulated probiotic um, that when it hits the warmth of your gut, that's when it actually germinates and you get the benefit. So it withstands um, that process, whereas a lot of um, products in the market require being refrigerated to potentially have um, a benefit at all. So I think that for us, what we saw is you've got these traditional categories like soft drinks or sparkling water and a need to 
now how can we think about what's next in the evolution of food and beverage, which is, is if you can have a great tasting, naturally sugar-free product and then add in a, a gut health benefit uh, like probiotics, um, that, then that's obvious, or a functional benefit, then that's obviously a super exciting space. So, yeah, as you said, we just launched out into Coles. We've got our um, soft drink, uh, our live sparkling sodas um, in market already, which is an exciting new launch for us. So we'll, we'll watch that space. Yeah, amazing. Well, look, for everybody else that sits and observes um, a fellow Australian, a fellow young entrepreneur out there making a genuine headway in this space, you know, it, it's exciting. And I think anybody who's listening, the next time you're going to go and pick up, you know, your Mount Franklin, your Vita Water, your Coke No Sugar, your Pepsi Max, and, you know, you're going to support, um, you know, fundamentally the Amatil Group or a global organization, just have a little think about not only the health benefits to you um, as the consumer, but also the benefits to knowing that you are supporting a, a local business with whom continues to reinvest into the Australian economy and create more jobs, um, you know, for people just like me and you. Um, Troy, absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your insights, my friend. And um, we look forward to continuing to watch you, um, your journey and your brand grow over the coming years. Uh, thanks, Jack. Absolute pleasure. I really enjoyed it uh, and enjoyed learning a bit more about yourself and your, your story. So thank you. No, thank you very much. Well, uh, mate, you enjoy the rest of your day. God bless everybody who's listened to this and we look forward to catching up with you again next week. This episode of Talking to Trailblazers is brought to you by Salesforce. In this digital work-from-anywhere world, Salesforce enables small businesses to create a 360-degree view of their customers, helping them build great customer relationships and supporting their path to growth. Salesforce brings companies and customers together. To learn more, head to salesforce.com forward slash au forward slash small business.